WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach ever. And it's not because Alabama won the national championship last night. It's not because Saban now has six national championships to his credit, and that's the same as Bear Bryant. Saban is the GOAT because Saban had the balls to pull a quarterback who had a record of 24-2 and and put in a true freshman who hadn't played beyond mop-up duty because Saban realized he needed his quarterback to throw better if Bama was going to win and the true freshman could throw better. Saban didn't look at the past. He didn't look at the ramifications. He didn't think about what the media and fans would think. Saban made a tough coaching decision after clearly having considered it as a potential plan B from the very start. That is gutsy. Grade A football coaching, and it won the game. It won the national championship. That's why Nick Saban is the GOAT. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Today is Jimmy Page's birthday, by the way. The man playing the riff, we'll talk about that a a bit more later. Uh, Jimmy Page, honestly, there are very few guys I just don't know, very few human beings, where I just don't know what I would have done without them as a kid. I don't know what I would have done without Jimmy Page as a kid. I just don't. That probably still applies to this day more than I'd like to admit. So happy 74th birthday to Jimmy Page. We'll talk more about him a bit later. Uh, anyway, back to Saban. Look at the game log for that Tua kit, the freshman quarterback. Saban played him at the end of every blowout. Some coaches don't. Some coaches leave their starters in to run up the stats and the Heisman candidacies and so forth. Saban played this kid, let him throw the ball in those blowouts, let him get his feet wet. Always had him in the back of his mind as a plan B. And last night, it paid off. He got the kid ready, and the kid went in and came through big when Saban needed him. Not that he didn't make a couple mistakes to that point uh, before the 41-yard touchdown pass, but that 41-yard touchdown pass is all anybody will ever remember about that kid last night and about that particular substitution. If we're just tuning in, I made the announcement. I'm now a columnist for Trib Total Media, both the newspaper and the website. Check out triblive.com tomorrow for my debut for the Trib. I was with the Trib for a a few months, seriously, about, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, and then the Post-Gazette made a better offer. But now the Trib has made a better offer still. And I got a contract, so this looks to be a very stable situation for me, and I'm very happy to be part of the Trib Total Media family, along with Tim Benz and Rob Rossi and other luminaries. Also, in in news that I think is even more important, 
We find Sarah Flaviano, kind of. The North Allegheny bolt-on stripper queen. She's apparently a professional gamer. She plays video games on TV, excuse me, online that people watch. Uh, I think she's in Vegas. I'm not sure. I find her Instagram. I posted a photo of her on my page, the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. She got the new bolt-ons. Her body is flawless, so check that out. You know, I, I know I sound like a dirty old man and a creep when I say that, but she's been a stripper since she was like 16. Okay, I'm sorry, that invites creepiness. In fact, those women, they profit by creepiness. You may have heard that before on this show. No, I love Sarah, and the, the picture of her is really quite amazing. Got Stan Savern at the bottom of the hour. We've been talking about the Penguins and their manufactured balance up front. Uh, whenever you debate uh, Penguins roster moves, lineup configurations, as we so often do on this show, a lot of Penguins debate is motivated by fanboy stuff. The Flurry fans don't like Murray, and whenever Murray has a bad game, it's time for Zari to be the number one goalie. Uh, it's that simple, but there's no logical reason for Murray to not be the number one goalie because of what he's accomplished and his age and his pedigree. Ian Cole, we talk about whether or not he should play quite a bit. He's popular, so his fans want him to play. Like I said, fanboy stuff. But things can change in the wink of an eye. For example, I have wondered about the long-term efficiency of Gensel and Sherry because of their size and streakiness. But Gensel has 13 goals this year, and Sherry has 11, and, and that's pretty good. It's a lot better than Haglund with two or Rust with four. Rust is on IR right now, and I wonder, when he comes back, is he an automatic choice to get a jersey, to get in the lineup? Rust is another one that's got to score more. But give credit to Riley Shan, who was so hopeless for so long. But now he's got four goals and nine points in his last 25 games. Excuse me, four goals and nine assists. 13 points in his last 25 games, which is more than acceptable in his role. Let's go to Jacob in Brentwood. Jacob, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Jacob, you're on the air. Let's go to Eric and Carrick. Eric, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Double M. What up? Hey, you think if uh, Pitt can sneak into a playoff game, Narduzzi will stick around indefinitely? Pitt football. In in the national championship playoff. You there? Hello? I'm here. Are you serious? Hey, what can they beat? Who'd they beat? Clemson, Miami. Penn Clemson State. was last year. Your precious Penguins don't look too hot right now. You know what? If you put them in cleats and gave them a couple weeks to practice football, they'd beat Pitt and the genius coach Narduzzi. So F you, F Pitt, F Pitt football, F Narduzzi. Let's go to Joel in Brookline. Joel, you're on with the super genius. How you doing, Mark? Terrific. I was thinking last night, instead of uh, Tua being put how about pulling Tim Tebow out of retirement and taking him in? Yep, goodbye. Well, great job screening the calls today. Let's go to Kenny on the road. Kenny, 
You're on with Mark. Thanks for taking my call, Mark. Right. I just wanted to ask you if your new contract from the trip was ironclad. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine is the number to call. Uh, that game last night was terrific. And, and you know what? I know Pitt pulls the occasional upset like over Miami or over Clemson or over Penn State. But when you watch those teams execute like they did last night, not that they were perfect, but when you see the athleticism and speed on display too, there are really only, we, we call Pitt major college football, right? But there should be an, a designation above that called major, major college football. You know how many teams are in major, major college football? About eight or nine. And Penn State is kind of matriculating back up into those eight or nine. And full credit to James Franklin for that. But, uh, but wow, it, it's like a different game than what Pitt plays. And the occasional upset is just that, the occasional upset. Not any indication that Pitt is on the verge of becoming a major, major. Let's go to Mark downtown. Mark, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Mark, uh, I wanted to revisit what you mentioned yesterday about Jacksonville, and you wanted us to convince you that Jacksonville uh, should scare the Steelers and us. I'm already scared. Well, and I, I don't know if this came up yesterday, but you realize Todd Haley has had three weeks to prepare for the defense. Oh, that's a good point. He'll outsmart himself. Yes, absolutely. Well, not three weeks. I mean, he prepared for Cleveland regardless of the uh, – no, no, he didn't pre- – they didn't know they were playing Jacksonville till this past weekend, bro. But I know well, what I, you mean. In a, yeah, I think, in I a, think a, a high-visibility situation – such as a playoff game against Jacksonville, Todd Haley could very easily outsmart himself and be too clever by half. Yeah, he had a week during the season when we played them, and I think he anticipated Buffalo losing. So he had three weeks. Now I am scared. Thank you for the call. 412-333-9939. Let's go to uh, Andrew in Carnegie. What if he was Andrew Carnegie? You're on with Double M. Yo, Mark, hey, uh, I, I kind of think you're giving uh, Saban a little too much credit for pulling that quarterback. You said he was 25-2, and two, but his stats, he was like 3 of 8 for 21 yards in the first half, and a lot of those 25-2 and two are against teams uh, like Mercer and some crap. Yeah, he teams. was still, no, no, and a lot of, you know what, you're a dope. 25, first off, 24-2, although I guess technically he gets credit for having started last night's win. Yeah, a lot of those wins were against Mercer. You know who most of those wins were against? SEC schools. Overrated. SEC's overrated. Really? Then how come two of the teams from the SEC met in the national championship game last night? Because the committee has a bias. Well, apparently the bias was a correct one because one of them beat Oklahoma and the other one beat... Uh, beat yeah. uh, well, Mark, what? SEC's good, but just cumulatively the last three beat years... Beat Clemson. Big Ten. Bro, bro, goodbye. 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 Yeah, you're right. The Big Ten's terrific. That's why Ohio State and Michigan State got beat by combined kajillion to zero the last two times a Big Ten team got in the playoff. Although, again, the argument that Dolt could have made that I would have gone with, Alabama should not have been in the playoff. 
because they did not win their conference. 412-333-9939. How can you say? I mean, Saban has won five national titles in less than 10 years. That guy ain't overrated. Alabama ain't overrated. That accomplishment couldn't possibly be overrated. Stan Savard at the bottom of the hour. And we're just about 15 minutes away from giving away Penguin tickets. The Pens play the Red Wings this Saturday, and I'm giving away tickets. Stay tuned to find out how you can win them. 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan. That happens when the show's as popular as this one. Yeah, double M, man. He'd love the show. He just wants to dance. PX at 105.9. We're giving away Penguin tickets in about 10 minutes, so don't you dare go away. I'm going to talk to Stan Savern right after that. Here on the X. Um, I got some creep berating me on Twitter because I criticized Bama for getting a do-over yesterday. And now I'm kissing their ass. How am I kissing their ass? It was a great game. Saban made a genius coaching move. The kid quarterback came through. I said at the top of the show, I don't consider them worthy champions because they did benefit from a do-over. But the do-over doesn't change what happened last night. I still wonder what's worth for Atlanta and the surrounding areas. Is it the Falcons blowing a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl or Georgia blowing a 13-point lead in the national championship game? I think last night proved why college overtime is the best overtime. Totally fair. Look at the two twists and turns. Georgia... Took a sack, had to kick a 50-some-odd field goal, yard field goal, and then Alabama takes a sack, and the freshman throws a 41-yard touchdown on the next play. I think that's the smart strategy in overtime, by the way. When you're starting at the 25, just take shots at the end zone. If you're going to go three or four, I mean, I can't believe that you hand off to start the overtime. If you bust one for seven or eight yards, yeah, okay, but if you get stopped for like a one- or two-yard gain, or God forbid you get stopped for a loss and you're behind the chains, I just keep throwing in overtime if you got the quarterback to do it, which that freshman kid, that T.O., T.O., whatever, he definitely turned out to be. Let's go to Steve in Florida. Steve. You're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, what's up, Mark? What up? Hey, um, uh, the officiating was terrible last night, but don't you think Saban's underpaid? Makes $10 million a year. He wins a title every other year and goes back I thought he that. made a little more than that, but, but, but uh, I don't know. It comes down to how much money do you need. Is that his base income? Are there bonuses? Did he get a bonus for winning the national championship? Does he I, have you know a, a shoe I've contract, a, of- a coach's show? Uh if I had $10 million, I wouldn't know what to do with all that. I guess it depends on whether or not he's happy. Look at John Gruden. John Gruden just got a $10 million per year contract and hasn't won a thing except the one Super Bowl a billion years ago and has never won anything for the Las Vegas Raiders. You know what I did with $10 million? Two chicks at the same time. You wouldn't need $10 million to do that. In fact, I'll tell you what. Give me a grand, 
I'll pocket some of it, and you'll still have a nice time with the girls I know. I know a girl who knows a girl, who knows another girl, who knows two more girls. Let's go to Dave in the car. Dave, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark, love the show. You're hilarious. You're always saying what's right. Just a quick question. Just want to know if you think this is the last Steelers playoff run with Ben Roethlisberger leading the charge. Well, we, we've, last... been, we've been talking about um, Ben's future. I'm not sure it's even appropriate to do with the playoffs still in front of us for this year. But I think if Ben wins the Super Bowl, he retires. I think if they lose to New England, it's a coin flip. I think the only way he'd definitely come back would be if uh, they lose in the Super Bowl because that would indicate they got past New England and that they're very, very close. Then again, you know what, I'm, I'm really speaking out of turn here because I don't know what Ben's family feels, what his wife wants, all the other non-football factors that figure into it. But uh, I think when Ben retires, Landry Jones is the transition quarterback uh, until they draft and develop their next long-term guy. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine is the number to call. If you're just tuning in, I am now a columnist for Trib Total Media. So check out my work starting tomorrow morning at Pittsburgh at TribLive.com. TribLive.com. Uh, it's now time to call in and win. Very exciting. Be caller number 13. At 412-333-WXDX, caller number 13 Gets two tickets to the Saturday afternoon game between the Penguins and Detroit. 412-333-WXDX. Call number 13 wins right now here on 105.9. Stan Saver next. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark. Yep. You want an answer. You don't want no uh, hee-hawing. Well, I really do like the hee-hawing. The X at 105.9. Joining me now, he is the godfather of Pittsburgh sports media. We welcome Stan Saverin. Stan, let me start with a generic question. Is officiating so bad right now that it's ruining the credibility of football? Uh, Did you repeat that, Mark? I I missed the first part. Is officiating so bad that it's ruining the credibility of football? Yeah, I I think so. Uh, I do think it's ruining the credibility. But I, I would I would back up just a half a step and say part of the problem is that the rules, as pleasantly uh, as presently written, are contributing to that. That people complain about replay, uh, and maybe there's some legitimate beef to that. But if the NFL, in particular, would simplify the rules, that would make it easy an easier game to officiate, and perhaps less less need for replay. Talking about the uh, it survives the ground, is it a catch, is it not a catch? Uh, I think last night's championship game, um, officials are going to miss plays. Players are going to drop passes, they're going to miss tackles, but officials are going to miss plays. But I mean, you can also point, not if it was the only reason, but the, the offside play and the block punt, I still don't see where that guy was offside. They missed an obvious face mask call. Um, you know, those kinds of things that you know, you really are not supposed to miss. Uh, I do think that one of the frustrations with NFL football and why people aren't watching it as often is that they're making it too hard. They're making it too difficult. People don't want to take a final exam. They've already done that in high school or college. Um, They watch sports primarily to be entertained. 
Nobody wants to sit there and have to deliver a doctoral thesis on the rules. And I do think they're right. It, it, it is hurting the credibility of the game. The reason the NFL is they have these all-star... Okay, Stan's phone was just... Uh... Ignominious there. We'll hopefully get him back in just a few moments. 412-333-9939. Uh, a, a couple Patriots notes because they're like a second team here in Pittsburgh. Tom Brady said he did not celebrate when Jimmy Garoppolo got traded. Boy, we do talk about that team way too much. And I, I, I should have realized because I knew it when he was still with New England, but Garoppolo now with San Francisco could be a free agent at the end of the season. So why did San Francisco trade for him, although I guess they could franchise him? Uh, as I spoke about at the top of the show, there's a big story at SportsIllustrated.com about Ryan Shazier and how the Steelers want to win very badly for him. Great quote from Mike Mitchell. We're going to play the Patriots again. We can play them in hell. We can play them in Haiti. We can play them in New England. We're going to win. As in, we're going to win for Ryan Shazier. A wonderful story. The Patriots don't care. And the Patriots are better than Pittsburgh. If that provides motivation for the Steelers, great. But the Patriots don't care. Uh, we're going to try to get with Stan. Now, Stan, let's get to the Steelers and Jaguars. I like the Steelers to win. But this is not an easy matchup for Pittsburgh, is it? No, it's not. But that having been said, I don't think that they're going to struggle with them. Um, I give Jacksonville full credit. Um, they are what they are, and what they do well, they do well. But they don't do enough things well to beat the Steelers. Not in Pittsburgh. I know it happened on October the eighth, but losses happen. Um, giving Jacksonville, you know, full respect. If you look at them, their last six games, including the game against a really, and I'm being kind, mediocre Buffalo team. Uh, I don't think Jacksonville's playing anywhere near as well uh, as they once were. I don't know the reasons for that. Maybe Bortles finally caught up to them. Uh, I honestly don't have any great concerns about this game for the Steelers. Uh, I think the Steelers are playing very well. I think they're a much better football team than they were October the 8th. Uh, I think that they're a more rounded team. They're a more dangerous football team. Um, and I, I really, I don't want to say cruise, uh, but I don't see the Jaguars presenting all that much trouble. Uh, here's what makes Jacksonville tough on D, Stan. And I agree with it. I think at the end of the day, the Steelers win and probably cover. But their quarterbacks can cover the Steelers' receivers one-on-one, -on -one, and that leaves a lot of guys to worry about Bell, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, and you're right. They have the best quarterback kingdom in the NFL, without a question of a doubt. But the one thing that they can't do is cover everybody. Um, I, maybe they'll try to crowd the box, and they can play. If you're going to do that, you can play man-to-man -man coverage. But still, if they want to play Bell man-to-man, -man, um, I doubt that they would try to cover Mark Davis man-to-man. -man. If they wanted to, that would still leave a third receiver. It would leave Bell as a receiver, a guy that we're not talking about a whole lot, and for good reason. He hasn't been healthy. But a guy like Vance McDonald could be a factor in this game. I just think this, this, this time the Steelers have too many weapons for them. Now you have to get protection. I, I, I worry about uh, frankly, Ben seeking to atone for his five sins against Jacksonville in the regular season game and wanting to atone for that and maybe forcing balls in where 
you know, they don't belong. I mean, I think they've got to do a better job of play calling. Um, you know, they talk about, well, we got behind, we had to throw 55 times. No, you didn't. That's not true. They were ahead 9-7 midway through the third quarter. They were ahead in that game. Um, I don't care who you're playing. You throw 55 times in a game, you're losing. That's, that's a guarantee. So I think they've got to be more disciplined in their play calling. But I also think Ben's got to be disciplined. And he said, oh, good, I've got a hole here. Don't force it to make up for what you did October the 8th. Uh, yeah, I don't think Ben's going to do that. I think, if anything, Ben and the Steelers are motivated by playing Jacksonville in that rematch from Week 5. Uh, to me, it's a simple formula, Stan. Get a lead and make Blake Bortles beat you. He did once. I'm not sure he can again. Yeah, and I'm not even so sure that he beat him. Um, really, really stop and think about it. Um, his passes didn't hurt him. He had one third down run for a first down, a scramble, which did hurt him on one of those drives. Uh, but they got behind. The Steelers got behind because of their offense, not <clears throat> because of their defense. Uh, if you tell me right now that you're going to hold Leonard Fournette to 3.3 yards per carry, which they did up until that final run, which came after the game was decided, I'll take that right now. If you hold Fournette to 3.3, uh, I think they're going to be in great shape. Uh, and it's a formula, frankly, that they have not been able to execute, Mark. When you look at the Bears game, you've got a stiff like Mike Glennon, because you may can't beat you, but they didn't. They allowed the Bears to run on him so that Mike Glennon became a non-factor in the game. I mean, the same thing with Blake Bortles. Uh, you know, I look back also at uh, the last year and last year's last year, but you think about the Miami game in the regular season. J.H.I. just ran it down their throat. They were embarrassed. That was down there. Uh, but they came back to play in Pittsburgh in the playoffs, and it was a different story. I agree with you. I mean, I think they're motivated by this. Um, and uh, They're not looking ahead, but they are looking ahead. Uh, and that doesn't mean that their focus won't be on Jacksonville. Uh, but I, I do think that they're looking big picture here, and I just don't think they're going to let the Jacksonville Jaguars stand in their way. We're talking to Stan Saverin, brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich. Shenderovich and Fishman. Uh, how much does Shazier's absence hurt, Stan? Uh, like you mentioned, they really contained Fournette in Week Five until that ninety-yard touchdown run. But Shazier being out is a uh, is a chink in the Steelers' armor when it comes to handling that Jacksonville running game. Yeah, it really does. Uh, you know, they miss him in a lot of areas in pass coverage and you know run and you know even pass rushing. Even though he didn't rush the passer much. His presence there allowed them to send Vince Williams more often. Uh, here's the problem. Uh, Vince Williams, frankly, uh, I honestly admit, has been better than I thought he would be. Um, he has. He's done, he's done very well. But Vince Williams functions best when he is the second inside linebacker. Now he's the number one inside linebacker, and his partners are adequate at best. That's where you lose things. You're not only... Okay, we're going to have to catch up with Stan in the future. That's just, uh, Stan, your phone let you down. But we did our best. Got some good stuff from Stan. We'll catch up next week. Stan brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Um, one thing I want to ask Stan about, maybe I can talk with you about it. What is the current status of the Steelers secondary? I like that Hayden's back. He's the glue guy. Artie Burns has been up and down. Sean Davis has been up and down. As you would expect, 
from second-year guys in the secondary. Um, Mike Hilton has been a godsend, just a revelation as a nickel. Mike Mitchell has been pretty bad in the second half of the season. His uh, fiery words and occasional big hit aside, Willie Gay out there, less is more with him, and I guess he's done okay since he's gone to the bottom of the defensive back totem pole. But what's your stake on the Steelers' secondary right now? Then again, do we have to have a take on the secondary this week before they play Blake Bortles? Uh, Probably not. Uh, This week it's about the defensive line, about Tewitt, Hayward, and Hargrave. Uh, Andy Benoit from SI.com previewed the Steelers-Jags game at the Monday Morning Quarterback website, and he picks the Steelers to win the game, but he says that without Shazier, the Steelers are going to count that much more on Hayward, Hargrave, and Tuitt to shut down the run and to make Jacksonville rely on Blake Bortles and its passing game. Uh, if you go back to that Week 5 game with Jacksonville won so handily, and uh, let's be real, Jacksonville won so handily because Roethlisberger threw five interceptions, which uh, is not going to happen this Sunday. But uh, in that game, the Jags dropped back only 17 times to pass, and Jacksonville ran the ball on its final 18 snaps. And those runs wore down Pittsburgh's front seven, which again now doesn't have for this game Ryan Shazier. So Hargrave to it and Hayward got to come through. And simply put, but accurately put, the Steelers need a lead. The Steelers don't want to play from behind against this team. The Steelers want to force Blake Bortles to be the guy who wins it for Jacksonville. I'm probably overcomplicating. I think Andy probably did. I think anyone predicting this game, breaking down this game, probably is. We always worry ourselves into believing it's going to be closer than it often turns out to be. But Jacksonville does have a great D. They have the league's number one rushing attack. But like Benoit says here, let me read this quote. Like Benoit says here, Jacksonville's offensive line is not as imposing as you'd expect from the league's number one rushing attack. It's a decent group, but one devoid of road graders, unquote. And let me add on top of that, being the number one rushing attack in football has never meant less than it does right now. It's just not that kind of league. The NFL is all about passing. Being the number one rushing team is not something you can hang your hat on and expect to win a playoff game against a team as good as the Steelers. 412-333-9939. Going to talk to Bob McLaughlin next. At the top of the hour, we're going to talk about something totally ridiculous that happened in last night's national championship football game. And no, I'm not talking about the officiating. That was ridiculous, but... We'll talk about something else at 5 o'clock. 105.9 X. 
And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, I think you're absolutely hilarious. It's an acquired taste. You, you have the answer, Mark. Thank you. Wait, I wasn't done insulting you. The X at 105.9. Joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, uh, what do you think was more heartbreaking for the people of Georgia? Atlanta blowing a 28-3 lead to New England in last year's Super Bowl or the Georgia Bulldogs blowing a 13-point lead uh, last night against Alabama in the National Collegiate Football Final? Had to be the Falcons, didn't it? I mean, the Falcons were a lock. They had it. Whole state was going nuts. You know, University of Georgia, you got other people living down there that, you know, maybe there are other football fans. Maybe they're, they're football crazy down there so much. I'm sure the fandom is spread out. But I would have to think Falcons because it was right there. Um, and the Falcons had been so bad for so long. Georgia's kind of, you know, been in that top echelon of college football. Uh, the Falcons were awful for that run. Um, I definitely think it was them, the bigger heartbreak. Now, you, you watch both games, I know. I never felt like New England was out of the game against Atlanta. I never felt like Alabama was out of the game against Georgia. So I, I, I guess uh, those games had that in common anyway. Truth be told, Mark, I did think New England was out against the Falcons. I was enraptured while that game was going on because I thought it was just too big to come back, uh, even with Brady, even with Belichick. So that one hurt more, obviously, because of my bias against New England. Um, but, yeah, with Alabama, that 13 nothing going into halftime, that was you know easily attainable and just stonesy move by the coach to put the freshman in. Well, let's stay with that. Uh, don't you think, though, given that the freshman – Played a lot all season, albeit only in mop-up roles. But every chance Saban got, he had the freshman kid in the game at quarterback throwing eight or ten passes in mop-up duty. Clearly, the need to do this at some point was always in the back of Saban's mind, wasn't it? Yeah, good point by you. I read an article just a little bit before the show started um, where Saban thinks that he's you know just a dynamite passer and they couldn't get anything going uh, in the first half, so he went to him, you know... I didn't see the fourth quarter, Mark. I did. I, truth be told, I fell asleep. But um, you knew you had something when he got them uh, that touchdown in the second drive. Uh, he was throwing the ball pretty well. They seemed to come alive after that. Um, I don't know if, if I was Coach Saban. I don't know if I would have gone to a freshman in that stage, in that scenario. But it worked. You know, he sent the play call Well, in. the kid made mistakes. He made a few bad throws and a lot of bad reads, but... Uh... He made the one pass he had to, I guess. And I do agree with Saban. It didn't look like Hurts was going to ever heat up throwing the ball. And I think that to beat Georgia, Alabama needed to do more through the air. Yeah, and if there's one thing, Saban knows his players. He knows their strengths, weaknesses, or whether they're hot, cold. You know, the move was brilliant. Uh, I, I In that same article... Hurts afterwards, and you're right, he played that perfectly. The postgame, heaping all that praise on Tua and saying what a great you know scenario that was and situation, how he pulled it out, good for him. Um, but he said when he saw the play go in and he saw the play develop, he thought that he was too, they were too well covered to make the throw. And he said when he saw it go in there, he 
he couldn't believe it actually th- you know threaded that needle and that it worked because he said he doesn't know if he would have made that throw once he saw the coverage that tight but he's really happy that uh how do you pronounce his name Tyga Lo- Lovoa I just call him T.O. or the freshman Tua yeah the freshman he's really glad the let's freshman. face it Bob after today we'll probably never talk about him again oh you think well yeah probably next year for the final <laughs> and I still think Bob I still think it's a cheap national championship I don't think Bama should have been in it. I I hate the do-over, as you know. I'm sorry, what was that? I hate the do-over. I don't think Bama should have been in that game. Yeah, I know you're always going to have that question, um, but I think the outcome proves them right. Uh, I mean, they they did win it all. Sucks the way it went down, but you walk away with the national championship, no matter how it unfolds, you did earn it. Uh, They earned that victory, no question. It was a gutsy win by Bama. Gutsy coaching. And, and uh, do you think Saban makes that move, yanking the 24 and 2 quarterback, if he hasn't already won five national championships? Um, You know what? With his ego, and as much as he preps, and as much as. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. You know, because maybe that just, you know, if he hasn't won all those championships, you know, he's still going to do things his way, and he's not going to answer to anybody. Um, I think that that's one thing him and Belichick have in common, and a lot of people hate it, but look at the results. Bob, uh, you saw the uh, article on ESPN where Mike Mitchell spoke at length, and a few Steelers did, about their concern for Ryan Shazier and the inspiration that he's provided them uh, since his injury. And I know it's a nice story to say that we're going to beat New England for Shazier. It doesn't matter where we're playing them. But, uh, in fact, let me read the quote just so we're all on the Mm -hmm. same page. Mike Mitchell said, we're going to play the Patriots again. We can play them in hell. We can play them in Haiti. We can play them in New England. We're going to win. And then he talks about Shazier being on the sideline when the Steelers win the Super Bowl. I understand trying to derive inspiration any way you can. I also understand paying tribute to an injured comrade, but the Patriots don't care. Uh, Jacksonville doesn't care. And I'm not a big believer bulletin board material means anything, but it's the same with Ben saying, you know, I want to play Jacksonville again. You got that uh, Bouye guy, the cornerback, saying, be careful what you wish for now. Yeah, he's not happy about that. I, I mean, you know, I, 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 I get it, but especially the Shazier stuff, I get it, but New England doesn't care. And, you know, if anything, those sons of bitches would probably love uh, taking an inspirational story and giving it a big kick up the backside. No, you're right about the Steelers' opponents. They don't care, you know, and they're doing what they need to do to prep and, you know, to get that victory. But when you're Mike Mitchell and the reporter is specifically asking you about that, and, hey, I- I'm not going to question however any Steeler or however anybody wants to deal with the, you know, tragic injury to Ryan Shazier, and if that helps them deal with the situation better, and if they see that maybe Ryan Shazier is gaining some strength or some confidence, or improving at all from some of that, I'm well, no, fine with that. Don't get me that. wrong, Bob. I want this to all come true, like sure, Mitchell says. Sure. But what if it doesn't? No, you're right. You're right. And and The look, Patriots don't care. God doesn't care. You, you know what I mean? It's a football game. The better team's going to win. Maybe it's a way, though, for the Steeler players or for Steeler fans to keep their mind off of how bad the situation is with 50 right now and to look on the positive. You know, always look on the bright side of life, Mark. Let's whistle that one away. That's a Man United theme song, Bob, so never say that. Oh, is it? Sorry. It is. It's just a Monty Python thing to me. (laughs) That's Bob McLaughlin brought to you by 84 Lumber. Up next, remember that dope the Swedish hockey player threw a silver medal into the stands? 
Somebody challenged him for stupidity last night during the National Collegiate Football Championship game. We'll talk about that in 30 seconds here on 105.9.